hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com with your host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she's successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. You can either Google the McCarty Group, that's M-C-C-A-R-T-Y, or call 661-665-SOLD. And those numbers are 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a good morning to you, Lori. Good morning, Adelaide. How are you doing? Oh, everything is excellent. How was your Thanksgiving? You're sounding a little sluggish this morning. I, I, I'm still full. <laughs> We've had turkey sandwiches for a few days now, but I'm okay with that. I'm okay with yeah, that. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. That's the whole point of it, right? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, that and shopping. Did you get to do some Black Friday shopping this year? Are you kidding me? Absolutely not. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm much more of a fan of Small Business Saturday and mm. Cyber Monday. You know, in my opinion, Black Friday is way too hectic. Oh, um, yeah. Plus, kind of like you, I'm still recovering from all that turkey and <laughs> pecan pie, right? Um, oh, yeah. What about you? Did you brave the crowds on uh, Black Friday? You know what? I do not. I, I know people that do, and, and it used to be real bad. I mean, it'd be like, okay, we're going to meet up at 2 a.m., uh-huh. we're going to get some hot cocoa ready, and we're going to go stand in line 3, 4 o'clock and stare at that window with a thousand other people. Open, open, open. open. Right? Yeah. And I just, Loved that commercial. Yeah. I know, I'm showing my age now. but I remember that, too, and it's just kind of like, wait, so you're going to stand in line to save 20 bucks? Uh-huh. Well, you know, I, I will admit, in my younger days... Maybe it was the adrenaline rush. Maybe Ooh. it was the thrill. I don't know. Maybe it was saving the money because back then that was way more important. I I did do some of that. Yeah. But a couple of years of that, boom, done. Forget it. And you, and you know what? Nowadays they have this thing called the internet. Uh-huh. And you can shop online, so too. Much, so. I, you can still shop at 2 a.m., right? <laughs> you can still do it, too, No crowds. So. <laughs> it's very nice. Yeah, very, yeah, very nice. And you know what? Go back to sleep. Absolutely. Crawl back into bed. So... How was the uh, real estate market doing? Any updates? Absolutely. You know, the temperature outside might be dropping, but the real estate market is still hot, hot, hot. You know, if you're thinking about selling your home, now is a great time. There are plenty of buyers out there, and I know that the right one is waiting and eager to be selected as the successful purchaser for your home. You know, realistically, today's buyers are still dealing with limited inventory or a limited number of homes for sale. Thanks to this continued low availability, those buyers are competing with one another for their dream home. And when that happens, if your house is on the market, 
one of the few that's on the market, in fact. Mm. It's going to sell very quickly and for the highest possible price and for very favorable terms, assuming, of course, that it's marketed properly, which, of course, then creates a huge win for you as the seller. Mm, so, that's a pretty key term there, isn't it, Lori? Marketed property? Well, yes, Adelaide, it is. I mean, we do still have properties, even in this unbelievably hot market, that go unsold after months on the market because they were marketed improperly. Either they were overpriced or they were positioned incorrectly. And unfortunately, that does happen more often than people realize. Mm, so it just reminds us it's important that you hire a knowledgeable agent. Exactly. And <laughs> when you do it right, according to the latest data from the National Association of Realtors, the average seller in September nationwide received 3.7 offers on their home. Now, in California, the average seller today is getting nearly four offers. Why does that number matter? Well, it means that you're more likely to have multiple offers to pick from if you sell your home this season. Multiple offers oftentimes leads to bidding wars and competition amongst the buyers. So any offer you receive will likely be from a highly motivated buyer who's doing anything they can to beat the competition. The stakes for buyers are incredibly high these days. They've been looking for a house and they want to lock in their dream home before prices and mortgage rates possibly rise further next year. Mm -hmm. Chances are they'll get creative with the terms of their offer, which could include waiving contingencies and offering over asking price, both of which are great news for you as a seller. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, if you're thinking of selling your home this season, it is a great time to sell. As other sellers decide to take a break for the holidays, or are waiting until the holidays pass because it's just too hectic, you could take advantage of the low inventory. Mm -hmm. Selling now will likely be a big win for you. Now, I'm wondering, too, we've had a seller's market for a while. Yep. And, it's, and do we see it slowing down anytime soon? Not in the immediate future. Hmm, okay, so it's great to hear that the market is holding strong. And I know our listeners will be excited for that news, especially yep. if they're sellers. Um, and I do see that we have a guest here in the studio today. You bet. All right. Who do we have the pleasure of visiting with this morning? Well, I am so excited about today's show. I think this morning we have a very informative and timely episode. You know, death and taxes are two of the things that nobody really <laughs> wants to talk about. But unfortunately, they are also two things that are inescapable. So for us in Kern County, the property tax deadline is just around the corner, December 10th. And if you haven't paid your first installment of property taxes yet, and you don't have that on the calendar, you need to make sure you don't forget. To learn a little bit more about property taxes and the Kern County Treasurer Tax Collector, we are speaking this morning with Jordan Kaufman. He is the Kern County Treasurer and Tax Collector. So, Jordan, thank you so much for being on the show this morning. I'm sure this is a busy time of the year for you. It is, and thank you so much for having me. Um, it's really uh, a pleasure and an honor to be here with you today um, and hopefully uh, inform uh, the public a, a little bit more about uh, property taxes in Kern County and California and just sort of the process, and, and uh, uh, hopefully it will be uh, an informative show. I know it will be. So with that, tell us a little bit about yourself um, and how you came to be our treasurer and tax collector. Sure, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll tell you a little bit about myself and then a little bit about the position because okay. it uh, 
most people know about the the tax side because everybody has to pay taxes. Um, people probably have a little less knowledge on the treasury side, so mm -hmm. I'll, I'll talk about that. But uh, so I am uh, the the treasurer tax collector is an elected position. I am about halfway through my second term, mm -hmm. and they are four year terms. And um, so before I was the treasurer tax collector, before I ran um, for public office, I was the assistant treasurer tax collector for uh, eight years. Um, however, I have worked for the county of Kern for uh, almost 27 years. Wow. So I have really dedicated my career to public service in mm -hmm. Kern County. Um, I there's For me, there's nothing better than uh, serving the public, serving the taxpayers. Um, I really try and give back to the community. I love Bakersfield. I love Kern County. Uh, I've raised a family here. My four children I've raised here. This is a great place to live, a great place to raise a family. Um, everyone Absolutely. is is so nice, um, and and it's just there's a real sense of community here. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people talk about Bakersfield as sort of the biggest little city in California, and I think that is absolutely true. Um, and so that is a little bit about me. Um, and, and again, I've I've been here. Uh, I was not born and raised in Bakersfield uh, or Kern mm -hmm. County, but I've been here for. Uh, 28 years. And so, again, uh, it is absolutely home, and I've raised my family here. And, and That's everything. wonderful. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great place. It's great to hear someone who has that same enthusiasm that I have for the community, because you're absolutely right. It's one of the most giving communities Yes. <clears throat> excuse me, that you'll ever come across. Yeah, it, it really is. It really is. And, you know, for you, when you sell homes, you're really affecting lives in a positive way when you buy and sell homes. I mean, mm -hmm. you're, it's, someone's home is is uh, one of the most important decisions that they make. Um, and for me, uh, obviously, as, as the tax collector, um, I, I'm sort of a part of that that process. And, Absolutely. Um, so, so now let me tell you just a little, a little bit about the position, obviously. Um, so on the tax side, uh, I collect about, uh, this year it's about $1.3 billion in, in local property taxes. And uh, the great thing about local property taxes is they stay local. They mm -hmm. don't go up to the state. They don't go anywhere else. Um, they are there for local county services okay. um, for the county and the schools and, and a lot of special districts um, that are all here locally. So that's that's one good thing about local property taxes. Um, my title is treasurer tax collector. So on the treasury side, I am essentially the bank for the county, okay. um, but also for all of the school districts and the majority of the special districts. And so... Uh, when I collect the taxes, I then take that money and I invest it in a treasury pool. And all of the, the county and the schools and, and the special districts are required by law to hold their funds um, with in, in the county pool. Uh, right now, it's about $4.2 billion. Okay. And I really think that that's actually one of the main reasons why this position is elected, is that... I, as this, as the treasurer tax collector, have fiduciary responsibility for not mm -hmm. just the county's funds, but literally all the school district's funds, 
um, and the majority of the special districts that are within the county. Um, I have fiduciary responsibility over all of all of those pool participants, not just the county, and that's one of the reasons why it is an independently elected office. And so. Um, that's, uh, in a nutshell, what I do, and I'll get more uh, detailed on the tax side, um, obviously, and if, there, if there's questions. But what I like to do is spend, if, if it's okay, spend another sure. five or ten minutes talking about the tax process, the whole tax cycle um, for property taxes. Absolutely. Okay. So <clears throat> uh, while, as the tax collector, I am sort of the, the face of property taxes— Mm-hmm. Um, the tax cycle really starts at the assessor's office. Okay. So for property taxes, um, the, what the assessor does is they create the value of the property or establish what the value of a, of a piece of property is, and that translates into the taxes. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, through uh, Prop 13 that most people kind of know the name, but uh, – a lot of people don't quite know all the details of it, but what that did, and that was back in the 70s, was establish a uniform 1% tax rate for all of California uh, property taxes. And what, th- and what that means is that the tax rate is 1% of the value of the property. It's called an ad valorem property tax. If you've ever heard that term, that just means based on the value of something. Right. So... Uh, so the assessor's office, and the assessor is a separately elected official, mm-hmm. um, they establish the value. Uh, they also um, establish ownership of a property. And so the recorder's office is actually uh, a division of the assessor. And obviously the recorder's office is where you go down and you record your documents, your deeds, your liens, whatever, that establishes ownership. So they kind of are in charge of that as well. Uh, they also uh, are in charge of exemptions. Right. So the obviously the most common exemption is homeowners exemption. Pretty of much course. everybody uses that on their primary residence to get just a little tiny bit of a tax break. Not much, right. but it's something. Um, so the assessor uh, uh, manages all of the exemptions, and there's other ones as well. Um, there's a welfare exemption, a religious exemption, and several others, um, but obviously the primary one is the, is the homeowner's exemption. Mm-hmm. So after the assessor does all of their valuing, um, and you know they value residential, commercial, oil and gas, there's, I mean, every single piece of property, they have to put a value on it. And so then after they do that, they send it to, they send the roll, we call it the roll, Mm-hmm. Uh, they send it to the auditor's office. And the auditor is, again, another separately elected county official. And the auditor <clears throat> creates the tax structure. And by that, what I mean is they create tax rate areas. And, and um, you know, f- f- people like yourself that are very involved in, in real estate, obviously, probably heard TRA or tax rate area. But what that is, is a there's hundreds of different TRAs that each have their own tax rate. And that is created by uh, layering every taxing agency on top of each other. And a taxing agency is the county, it's a city, it's a school district, it's a community college district, it's a 
there's a you know every every uh, special district has its own <coughs> sort of boundary. Some of them are county wide. Some of them are very small and unique. Um, but each parcel has a particular set of layers, and and that is its own tax rate area. Okay. So uh, once that's established, then they add what's called special assessments to the tax bill. Oh my! My, I, my eyes are starting to roll back I know, in my head. I know. I know. <laughs> it's, I know. It, it, it can get very complicated. And, it can. And. You know, and frustrating sometimes to the taxpayer. But um, that's why we're having this conversation. Yes, yes. So and that people can understand. Yeah, absolutely. Continue. Absolutely. That's why I, I value these types of, of uh, opportunities to, to kind of talk about it, to ed- educate uh, the public. And, you know, the, one of the reasons I, I talk about the whole tax structure this way is that um, – when a taxpayer calls me and says, my taxes are too high, what that really means is the, they feel that the assessor valued their property too high. And we have to say, sorry, you got to go talk to the, to the assessor, different department. And right. I know that gets frustrating of course for a does. taxpayer. But that's that's the way it's structured. So that's what we have to do. Right. So anyway, sorry, back to the auditor. They uh, add special assessments. Special assessments are... You know, anything from garbage and sewer and water Mm -hmm. um, charges to school bonds and water bonds. um, And and if you look at your tax bill, sometimes there's 15, 20 different special assessments that are added. And that is why if you actually look at the value of your property and your ending tax bill – the tax rate isn't exactly 1%. It's anywhere from maybe 1.1 to 1.3 at the high end because of all these special assessments that are, are on there. And typically special assessments are, have to be voted in um, to be added to the tax bill. Okay. So then the asses- – oh, sorry. Then the, <laughs> <laughs> then the assessor uh, – excuse me, the auditor uh, certifies the role and sends it to me. And then I essentially – send out over 400,000 tax bills in Kern County and collect all that money, right? And taxes are due in two installments, as you mentioned. One of them's coming right up December 10th, Mm -hmm. and then the second installment is due on April 10th. Now, when I say due, um, we always like to educate a little bit that if you look at your bill, uh, it will say your taxes, the first installment is due November 1st. Right. But delinquent after December 10th. So everybody thinks about December 10th as the deadline, So, but it is really just the, the very end of the, the sort of the, the payment period. And same for in April, April 10th. April 10th is the deadline. If you look at your bill, it's actually due March 1st, um, or excuse me, February 1st, but delinquent after april 10th so so are most taxpayers like me and they push it all the way to the end or as close to the end as they can absolutely okay and and you know we encourage people don't wait till the last day because anything can go wrong in a day right you know we we tell people you know at least do it maybe a week before right um and we have a ton of options to pay. Um, you can obviously... And we will get into all okay. of those, I think. Okay. Because I think this has been an 
awful lot of information yeah, for us to no no <laughs> no this is a complicated subject and that's why we wanted to to have you on today um, but i think this is a great introduction and a great stopping point for us to take a break um, and when we come back i want to kind of revisit some of this and break it down a little bit more because you know maybe it's the fact that i'm blonde or maybe it's just that it's early in the morning but some of that kind of woo, went right over my head so sure. i want to drill it down a little bit more for us um now before we take a break jordan for our listeners out there tell us how we can reach the kern county treasurer and tax collector's office if we have more questions yes absolutely so we encourage uh taxpayers to use our website which is www kctTC and that is short for Kern County Treasurer Tax Collector uh, kctTC dot uh, co I know that's complicated if you just type in kctTC on your computer typically we are the first thing that that will come up uh, my website and on our social media we'll make sure to have that link available so that people can can see it Thanks so much, Jordan. Is there a phone number as well? Yes. Uh, so the, the, the main phone number is area code 661-868-3409. Perfect. So stay tuned. We'll be back in a minute. You don't want to miss any of this information. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors here on 1560 AM. 97.7 FM KNZR and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch. Request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker, and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM. Now that's smart. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And if you're thinking about selling but need to make some renovations first, you'll want to contact Lori to find out about her amazing program designed to help sellers get their home ready to sell. It's called the McCarty Line of Convenience, or MLOC for short. This program allows sellers to tap into their equity for renovations and repairs. There's no interest or fees associated with the MLOC. It's simply paid back 
at the close of escrow. Call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653 to see if you qualify for this exclusive program designed to help maximize your selling price. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Jordan Kaufman of the Kern County Treasurer and Tax Collector Office. And uh, Jordan, I'm assuming it's getting pretty crazy at the office during property tax season. Is it safe to say that? Yes, this is definitely our busy time. Um, the lobby's busy. Tons of checks coming in. Um, yes, definitely our busy time, and it'll be this way uh, all the way up until December 10th. Yeah, and I was just thinking about that. I recognize your name from the lawn signs a couple of years ago, the same Jordan Kaufman. So I thought, you, you were. this is an elected position. I've got to ask, though, were there other people, there were like 20, 30 other <laughs> People running for the same position, or shockingly, not everybody wants to be a tax collector. <laughs> I know that's shocking. Wow, that surprises <laughs> yeah, me. Yeah, um, I actually uh, was fortunate enough um, both times that I ran the first time uh, and and this past time actually to run unopposed. And so, uh, while especially the first time I did a lot of uh, campaigning, got a lot of endorsements. Mm-hmm. You know, did did that, but ultimately nobody filed and, and ran. Everybody against figured me. you were the guy for the job. <laughs> well, it, either either I did a really good job getting endorsements up front, or nobody else wanted to be the tax collector. One of those I'm pretty things, sure it was number one. I'm not we're sure. going to stick with that story. Okay, okay? we're going to stick with the first one. Yeah, yeah, I voted for you. Yep. I voted okay. for you. Thank you. So. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, pretty sure I did too, since he was the only one right. on the ballot, right? And, and I am up. Uh, for election next year, so I will be on the June 2022 ballot. Well, you have well. our endorsement here. Well, thank <laughs> you. Okay, thank you. So, so there much. we go. We're going to be re- early endorsers. I really okay? appreciate that. You bet. Thank you so much. You've done a fantastic job, right? <laughs> um, so in our first segment, we covered an awful lot. We talked about the fact that as the treasurer, it's your responsibility to manage the funds for um, the county for the public schools the incorporated cities, and a lot of the other governmental agencies, right? Uh, yes, uh, with the exception of the cities. The cities have their own the city treasury has their own. pools. Okay. Um, but yes, every, everyone else. Uh, okay, perfect. And, oh, no, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, uh, I think I mentioned the pool is approximately right now about $4.2 billion, and about half of that is all schools' money. Okay. About a quarter of it is the county, the county's mm-hmm. money, and then the other quarter is all the other special districts combined. So that's just roughly uh, who whose money it actually is. And I'm going to put you on the spot here. Question. Um, how have you done managing that money? So um, we manage those funds um, based on a very uh, strict investment policy statement. Okay. And that policy statement, the basic tenets of that are uh, safety, liquidity, and yield. And okay. absolutely in that order, mm-hmm. number one is safety. So we only invest in fixed income, which is bonds, right. no equities, no stocks, no nothing like that. Okay. Um, so preservation of capital, number one, safety. Absolutely. Number two is liquidity. So I have to make sure that we always have enough cash Mm-hmm. to pay the bills, to pay the county's bills, to pay the school's bills. And and that is that managing that liquidity is very important. Um, just f- for instance, the school's payroll once a month is 
anywhere from 100 to $130 million every okay. month just for schools payroll. So we have to make sure while we want to invest as much as we can to earn a reasonable rate of return or right. yield, we always have to make sure there's enough cash in the of bank course. to pay to pay the bills. So that liquidity piece is very important. And then lastly um, is yield. I want to earn a reasonable rate of return because uh, every dollar that I earn goes back to those taxing agencies and that is discretionary revenue to them. So that means, you know, more police on the streets, more school uh, mm -hmm. teachers in schools. Um, so I obviously want to earn the highest yield that I can um, in the context of safety and liquidity first. Absolutely, given your other constraints. Yeah. Great. Fantastic. Now, we also talked about all the different layers and the coordination between the assessor's office, the recorder's office, the auditor's office in preparing these tax bills and how while Prop 13 says – your tax rate's going to be 1%, and it can increase 2% per year, right? Yep. But many times we look at our tax bill, and it looks more like 1.25, 1.3%. Sometimes, if you have special assessments, it's as high as 1.6% in certain areas that have mellow roost taxing, okay? And we talked about how we arrive at that and maybe at some point in the future we'll have somebody from the assessor's office on to talk about how they assess the properties because i know that's not your department right um as taxpayers we we really just see the bill and go like you said hey this is too dang much money for my property you know for me to pay for taxes recap for us again uh briefly how all those little pieces play into coming up with a a tax bill for us. Yeah, if yeah, you can, the, the bottom line number, right? Yeah. And and when you look at a tax bill, mm -hmm. um, you will see there's there's value information. Obviously, what what the value of your land is, what mm -hmm. the value of the improvements are, mm -hmm. any exemptions, and then you you get a, sort of a net uh, amount for the value. And then if you look at your tax bill, you'll see a whole list uh, uh, and depending on what where you live, you know, whether it's in a county unincorporated area, in a city, part of this school district or that special district, there's uh, uh, anywhere from three or four to sometimes 20 different special assessments. Okay. Some of those are large. Uh, the, the biggest are usually... Uh, uh, sewer water and garbage you know those mm -hmm. are in the hundreds of dollars right um, but then you have a whole list of uh, probably the most common are, are school bonds mm -hmm. and uh, water bonds and those can be sometimes a few dollars sometimes they're even a few cents okay um, but they represent say a school bond is uh, has to be voted on by the the people in that district and if it's approved, uh, then when they issue when they issue bonds to build a new school or something, it goes on the tax bill, and it is obviously a burden of the taxpayer. Which is why, you know, it's very important to, uh, for taxpayers to vote, right? Um, because it can directly affect their financial situation um, in, in terms of paying property taxes. And so there's a whole a whole list of 
different special assessments. And again, depending on what area you live in. And as you mentioned, a big one is Melorus bonds or 1915 Act bonds mm -hmm. that um, are kind of improvement districts. And, and those were created typically to finance the infrastructure of a subdevelopment. Right. So, right. you know, you build a subdevelopment way out here. Well, you need a road to get there. You need sewer line. So they'll issue bonds, Melorus bonds um, to finance all of that. Um, but that can really add up. And when you and obviously, you know, this when you're looking for a home, um, that is a really important piece of information because the difference between, say, 1.1 percent total tax rate and 1.6 percent total tax can be hundreds or even thousands of dollars a year. Absolutely. So that's very important. So that's Absolutely. A very good point. So how are, with all those different taxing authorities, um, how are those tax rates calculated? I mean, how do they arrive at those amounts that are sometimes pennies and sometimes dollars and sometimes hundreds of dollars? Right, right. So uh, so the, the auditor's office is the one that puts it all together um, – and creates the tax structure, but the the actual amount for each one is completely dependent on the <clears throat> the taxing agency that's creating that that burden. So, okay. if it's <clears throat> excuse me, if it's garbage, um, that is sort of the city of Bakersfield. If you live in the city and it's mm -hmm. a, you know city garbage fee. You know, the city goes through a, a budget process and establishes how much money it's going to cost them and then how much they need to charge on the tax bill to, you know, to provide that service. Okay. Um, for a school bond, it's the, the school district issues bonds. They have to repay those, obviously. So right. they come up with what's called a debt service schedule, how much they need to pay back the bondholders every year. Mm -hmm. And then they split that between all the properties in that district. Okay. Um, and, and as I said, some districts like Kern Community College District, countywide, everybody in the Big. county pays that. Some other districts, um, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of a, a Rosedale School District, much smaller. Right. Um, so it's spread out between a much smaller group of of properties and potentially could be a higher uh, tax on there. And so <clears throat> the annual debt service that's required to repay the bonds, again, that gets split out. And whatever that amount is, that's what gets placed on the tax bill. And the, the taxing entity has to provide that all that information to the auditor, and then the auditor kind of aggregates it all and creates the, the tax structure, which is really just sort of a big data I was going to say, it's uh, one great big Excel spreadsheet, I, I right? Mean, that's I actually mean, kinda. sort of a simple way to put it. But yeah, it, it is a big uh, data sheet, and then that gets transferred to us, and we create the bills uh, out, of, out of that. And out of curiosity, how many bills do you send out each year? Sure. So uh, roughly 400,000 taxes. Okay. Okay. And, you know, we get... Those are paid in two installments, although mm -hmm. some people pay the whole thing up front, which right. is great. That's fine. 
Uh, and so that is the secured property. Mm-hmm. So secured property is is land and anything that is permanently affixed to the land. Okay. I also collect unsecured property, which is personal property, um, uh, boats, planes, mobile homes, uh, business equipment, mm-hmm. um, leases, um, all sorts of kind of odd things, I guess. Okay. Um, and... So the secured bill, the main one, the secured right. roll, as I said before, is about $1.3 billion. The unsecured or the personal property is closer to about $150 million, so okay. much smaller. Much. Um, mm-hmm. And collected at two different times. Okay. Um, the unsecured or personal property is due August 31st each year and okay. is, is just one installment. Okay. you got to pay the whole thing. Um, and it's so it's the two kind of separate processes. Okay. Um, I will say one thing that people get confused about that uh, is good to know. Um, on the secured property, if you do not pay your property taxes, obviously there will be penalties and fees and stuff. But not paying your secured property for your home or your business uh, will never affect your credit in any way, shape, or form. It never, we don't file. That's interesting. There's no liens, there's no nothing. Now, the bad news is, if you don't pay for five years, I get the power to sell the property, and I do. I conduct uh, tax-defaulted property sales, public auctions every year. Right. So that's, that's the bad side. And we, yeah, I figured that's, yeah, yeah. yeah, well, mm-hmm. I can go into much more detail about that. On the unsecured or personal property side, that's where we file liens. Okay. Um, we can do seizures and other um, collection activities that can affect your credit. Okay. So, you know, uh, actually, it's a very common question that we get. Oh, if I don't pay my, my property taxes... That's you know they think that's going to affect their credit. It, it will never do that. Okay, so just uh, interesting. interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of surprised that it doesn't. Yeah, uh, but because again, everything like I else said, on but the back end, there's a bigger penalty to <laughs> yes, pay. Yes, yes exactly. <laughs> now here's something else I'd like you to clarify for our listeners because not everybody realizes this, particularly since our tax bills are due at such what I think are unique times. Okay. Um, as you mentioned, our tax bill is technically due the first installment, November 1. Mm-hmm. Deadline is December 10th. And then again, February 1 and April 10th. But tell our listeners when our tax year, our property tax year, actually runs from. Yeah, so that's that's an excellent question That is that does get a little bit confusing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so... When we talk about uh, a tax year, it's <clears throat> the tax year is a calendar year. Um, so January 1 is the lien date, and we send out a bill to the owner of record on January 1, which, again, from a real estate perspective can get confusing because obviously there's lots of transactions throughout the year, and, and we, can, we can talk about that. Um, <clears throat> But there's also a fiscal year component, which is July 1 to uh, June 30 of each year. And when we are collecting in December and April of the next year, it's really for that July 1 through June 30 fiscal year. And, and, And really that is because 
the taxing entities that get this money all run on that fiscal year cycle. Right. So from a money perspective, it's fiscal year. And so many buyers and sellers do not understand that. Yes. They believe that when they pay their April installment, they're paying January through June. And when they pay their December installment, um, well, actually, I, I think what they think is that when they pay in in December, they're paying for the entire year, and when they pay in February or or April, right. they're paying for the entire year. Right. I think it just gets confusing to them. Right, and that April payment is actually the, again, second installment from all the way January 1 of the previous year. Correct. That's the, the time frame that they're right. still paying for, yeah. Right. So that, so yeah, that does It get does become con- confusing. Yes. Um, so talking about paying our bills, since that due date, that deadline date is coming up, um, is there one particular method that you would recommend? I mean, I, I know we can pay um, online, we can come in person, we can mail a check, mm-hmm. although... Um, with the USPS having um, some difficulties these days, I, I'm finding that my checks are taking forever to get places, even if it's across town. Yes. <laughs> so is there a, a particular method that you would, would recommend, Jordan? Yeah, so as you mentioned, there's we have a lot of options for payment. Um, the The easiest, best way to pay is, is online, on our website. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I can give you that again. Um, Please. It's, it's www.kctc.co.kern.ca.us. And I know that's long, so I tell everybody just type in KCTTC and, and it'll come up. And so you can pay online uh, and you can either do that with a credit card or debit card or uh, an ACH, which is uh, like an e-check. Mm-hmm. So if you pay with a credit card or a debit card, there's a 2% fee. Because everybody wants a piece of that action <laughs> yeah, these days. And, and really, that, that mm-hmm. 2% is really... It just covers the cost. It's the it's the charge by the credit card right. so, uh, company. So it, it we don't keep any of nope. that. It flows nope. through it. Um, however, if you, if you go online and you just type in your bank account information, your account number and your and the routing number, it's free. There are no charges at all. So that's another thing that people think, oh, if I pay online, they're going to charge me. Only if you use a credit or debit card. You know, and a debit card is really the same thing as, a, as your check. Right. You know, it's just hitting your checking account. So we encourage people, um, use, use your... Uh, you use a uh, use just, your routing number. Yeah, use type in your, your bank account number mm-hmm. and routing number. Now, some people they want to get miles or this or that, and that's <laughs> fine too. That's great. Well, um, but so, it, so that really is the mm-hmm. the easiest way to pay and most convenient. I would say the least convenient is coming into our office, especially around deadlines. Mm-hmm. There's probably about a two week period before uh, December 10th where. You could stand in line anywhere from a half hour up to an hour, hour and a half. Wow. And you just stand in line. Now, the majority of the people that come in and pay in person actually pay in cash. So okay. we do um, get a fair amount of cash during those few weeks. Okay. Um, so we, we really encourage people, and 
especially now with COVID, we encourage people really not mm-hmm. to come into our office in person. Right. Um, that there's m- much more convenient ways and better ways to pay. And really mailing in a check uh, is also a, a pretty convenient way to, to pay. We provide re- return envelopes. Mm-hmm. And as long as your check is postmarked before the 10th, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter when we receive it. Okay. We can receive it a week later, as long as that postmark says December 10th or April 10th or before, it will be counted as a timely payment. Okay. So so that's that's something that is good I- to important know. for the taxpayers to know that they can they can do it all the way up until my fear with mailing is that I have had some checks lately sure. that just have never made it to their destination. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you, um, I have for the last few years, um, and I'm not a big fan of paying things online. I'm just old enough to be old school about that. But I will tell you, for the last few years, I have gone online and I have paid my taxes um, by putting in my bank account information, mm-hmm. and it has been easy as can be. So for all of you who feel uh, computer challenged or technology challenged, it's really very easy. Um and um, my staff will kill me, but if you need assistance and you can't get through to uh, Jordan's office, give us a call and we'll help you out. Not a problem. So now, this might seem like a really silly question, uh, but you'd be shocked at how many people assume that this is accurate. If a property owner doesn't receive their tax bill in the mail, does that mean they're not responsible for property taxes that year? So that's an excellent question, and the answer is no. Um, The California government code is very specific, and it says failure to receive a bill does not justify waiver of late penalties if you pay late. So um, the you know the the government code in California is is very uh, strongly worded worded towards. The, the tax collection efforts uh, as far as it is the, I guess, responsibility or mm-hmm. obligation of the taxpayer to to know that they have to pay their taxes. Right. And obviously, if you don't receive a bill for whatever reason, call our office, um, go o- online to our, of- um, to our office, and you can get all of the information as well as pay, but it, it, at least just get the information or call us. We can reprint a bill, mail it to you, and uh, and make sure that, that you make a, a timely payment. Because, unfortunately, if you pay even one day late, it's an immediate 10% penalty. Right. And that's, that's I, I get it. It's and very frustrating. <clears throat> and it can be hefty. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yes, it can. Now, what about those people whose mortgage company is to be paying their taxes um, because they're, they have an impound account that is paying their taxes. Do they also receive a copy of their property tax bill as well as their mortgage company? That would be my first question. Yes, so absolutely the answer is yes. A homeowner's copy is mailed to the home, and it says on it, homeowner's copy, original sent to lender. Um However, there's a lot of information on the bill, and, mm-hmm. and sometimes so, that gets overlooked. Sometimes it's hard. yeah, that gets overlooked, um, and so we do get double payments where okay. the lender pays um, through through impound as normal, but the taxpayer pays as well, um, and we refund uh, 
the government code tells us that we have to refund the the second payment. Right. And so, um, you know, if the if the homeowner pays first, even though the lender then pays, mm-hmm. um, because the lender paid second, we have to refund the lender, and then, but. But then the lender will have more money in the escrow, and they'll adjust the following year's escrow payments to to reduce the amount that the taxpayer has to pay to the lender. Of course. Right? So it takes a little time, but it does all work out in the end. It, just, it does. It takes a, of, of the following year. And, and to some people, that, that is, can be a hardship, and, and, and that's frustrating, and I, and I understand that. Unfortunately— the, the law is very clear of who we have to refund. Absolutely, and the law is there for that very reason. Yeah. Um, so now what happens if your mortgage company, for some unforeseen reason, clerical error, et cetera, doesn't pay your property taxes? How would the homeowner actually know that that happened? Yeah, so if, if a lender um, doesn't pay on time, they owe – penalties okay and that has not happened since i have been elected great um, but it has happened in the distant past okay and that lender had to pay the penalties and they should not have have charged the homeowners Mm -hmm. and and because it is not the homeowner's error it is uh you know it's the 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 lender's error and and a lot of lenders they combine into one uh, tax servicing entity, mm-hmm. and and so we'll get you know one wire to pay sometimes ten, fifteen, twenty thousand properties. Right, and so you know if if they're late, that's a big late. So and and I will say the 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 lenders and the the tax servicing companies are are really good. Yes, um, and they make sure that. It's paid on time, and we work very closely with them. We're, we're very automated, and so we actually feed them tax data. Uh, as as the deadline approaches, we if we feed them data on a daily basis. So oh, they great. can tell exactly who's paid and who hasn't. And, you know, even if they shouldn't have paid, oh, they did pay. So they'll, they'll take that uh, payment off. So up until almost the the last few days however they they're also smart enough to know don't wait till the last the very last (laughs) day so we usually get the big uh tax servicing agency payments um uh, around say december 1st 2nd Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and and april 1st 2nd in, in that in that general time frame that makes that makes perfect sense Wow, this has been a wealth of information. I do have a few more questions. Um, and for our listeners out there, I know we've said it multiple times, but you know, you just can't say it often enough. December 10th is just around the corner, uh, and that is your deadline to pay your first installment on your property taxes without incurring any penalties. Let's take another short break. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be right back. It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less. 
just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. You're listening to KNZR, 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Sunday mornings. And this morning, we're interviewing Jordan Kaufman of the Kern County Treasurer and Tax Collector Office. And Jordan, tell our listeners how they can reach the treasurer and tax collector office should they have any questions. Absolutely. So you can call us uh, and any one of my taxpayer services representatives can help you. You can call us at area code 661-868-3490 or you can go on our website which has a wealth of information uh, as well as you can actually pay your taxes on our website and that is at www.kctc dot co dot kern dot ca dot us and again that's long so if you just type in kctc uh my website's the first thing that that should come up in google perfect thank you so much jordan there's just so many more things that i want to talk to you about however looking at the clock i see that <laughs> we are running short it, you know it always happens with the topics that i'm most fascinated by so i think the big thing we need to focus on for our listeners is a little thing called supplemental tax bills let's talk a little bit about those absolutely so the supplemental tax bills are are a confusing um issue so the the most common reason or two reasons for a supplemental tax bill was one property is sold bought and sold or two, uh, an improvement is made on a property. Mm -hmm. And so <clears throat> what a supplemental bill does is it is a separate bill that represents the difference in value between what it was before and what it is now. So if it is because of a real estate transaction, a purchase, say a property was valued at $100,000, and you sold it and the new buyer bought it for $200,000, you're gonna get a supplemental tax bill for the difference, which is $100,000. So you're gonna get your regular tax bill and then you're gonna get the supplemental tax bill. Go, you will only get that supplemental tax bill one time and then going forward, you'll only get your annual tax bill, but it will be at that new higher base. So it would be at the 200000 Right, because I don't think most buyers recognize that the proration that is done when they close escrow is done 
at the value that the property is on the current tax rolls at that $100,000 in your example. And so for you as the tax collector, the new basis in the property is the $200,000 and you need to be able to collect that supplemental tax, the difference between the $100,000 and the $200,000. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's that is that is it. And and really, it's the same concept. If you have an improvement, say you build a pool in your backyard, whatever the value of that pool is, say it's fifty thousand dollars, you will get a supplemental bill for fifty thousand dollars one time, and then the following year, your new base will be at that higher level. So same. same. Perfect. Now, do you send those supplemental bills to your? Um, to the mortgage companies as well. So, no. So that's a very important question. Um, and the answer is the supplemental bills go to the homeowners. And that is very confusing because people said, oh, well, I already got this bill. I already got my bill and I already paid it. So this must be, you know, a duplicate or something. You have to really look closely because that supplemental bill typically is not paid uh, by the lender. And, and often is not paid even through escrow. Uh, so it, if, if a homeowner, a new homeowner, gets a, an additional bill um, and has any questions, just please call our office um, and make sure that, that you understand it. And, you know, typically when you get a, a bill from us, you have to pay it. It is due, um, and, and, and it has a very specific deadline, so you have to make sure that, that those supplemental bills get paid as well. Perfect. Well, I see Adelaide over there giving me the sign to wrap all this up. Like I said, I have many more questions, so Jordan, can I ask you to come back in the future? I would be happy to come back. Thank you so much for oh, uh, Thank you me. so much for, for taking time out of the busy season to come and spend it with us here today. It has been a wealth of knowledge, and we have really enjoyed having you on the show today. Thank you. And again, you have our endorsement for next year. Thank you again. Uh, Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today and for tuning in every Sunday. Now, before we end the show, I do have one small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Each year, the Bakersfield Californian hosts its Best of Bakersfield Awards. Nominations end in just two days on November 30th. If you could please go online and nominate me as your best real estate agent, I would greatly appreciate it. You can vote once a day, every day. To vote, go to bakersfield.com slash best of Kern. You will find me under the services category. You can also find the link to vote on our social media pages. Now, for those of you that get a little too click happy and want to nominate me multiple times, while I appreciate it, I have to warn you, you must wait 24 hours before placing your nominations. Registering under aliases may result in your nomination being disqualified. So while I appreciate the enthusiasm, let's play fair. Again, to vote, go to bakersfield.com slash best of Kern. Thank you for joining us this Sunday morning. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Sunday at 8 a.m., just before Sean Hannity, who's coming up next. And if by chance you missed an episode of the show or know someone who would enjoy this information but is other eyes occupied at this time, no worries. We've got you covered. You can now hear this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review to listen over and over. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a wonderful rest of the day and a fantastic week ahead. 
You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week.